As you grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 7, I want to bring up a discussion today that I think is very important because as Christians we are often asked about the teachings of Jesus. We are asked if Jesus said certain things, did certain things, namely, did Jesus really raise from the dead? Did Jesus really claim to be God? Um, Did Jesus speak about the moral and ethical issues of our day? Did Jesus... Um, really talk about things like heaven and hell, and what was his stance there? Did Jesus talk about marriage and human sexuality? Did Jesus um, talk about racial issues and cultural issues? What was Jesus' stance on those? What is a, a Christian supposed to believe about those things? And what is, how is a Christian supposed to, to, to act in regards to all of these cultural things that we find going on today? And no matter what the topic is of the discussion, no matter what the question is, we understand that a lot of the questions about Jesus come from various places within our hearts and minds. Sometimes people ask us questions because they're, they're hurting, they're, there's some pain in their life, and they're, they're wanting to resolve this pain in their heart. Um, and so they're asking questions about Jesus to see if Jesus really does have answers, if there are really answers in the Bible that can solve them the issues that are causing pain in their life. Sometimes people are confused and they hear a bunch of different things about Jesus um, that some Christians say one thing about Jesus and another set of Christians say another thing about Jesus. And and sometimes people get very, very confused and so their questions come from a place of confusion in their life and really trying to get to exactly what Jesus said. Sometimes people are, are angry. They're angry with God. They're angry with Jesus. They're angry with the church because Jesus has said things that didn't quite go with what they desired Jesus to say, and so they're angry with Jesus. And some people, they're, they're having a hard time with what they, were, what they grew up to believe, and maybe they're hearing challenging thoughts. Maybe what they were raised to believe has now come to question in their own mind, and some people actually feel, a lot of people actually feel very guilty for asking questions. They believe that somehow um, questions and asking questions is somehow a sin, or because we, we've been told so many times in the last decades about questions that somehow asking a, questions, a question means that you don't have good faith, or that somehow you, you, you doubt things, and somehow doubt has become like this unpardonable sin or something. And we really need to work around that because so many people walk away from their belief in Jesus because they didn't get their questions answered and because those questions in, the, in, their, in their heart and in their mind, for whatever the reason was, they, they, just, they, they couldn't get those reconciled and maybe they found something that made them happier or seemed to make more logical sense to them or, or maybe even satisfied some things in their life that they felt like were true to themselves and so they wanted to go out and to live those things. And with, there's, there's so much to be said about this topic, but just looking at one piece of this this weekend, in Stephen's speech, right at the beginning of Acts chapter 7, he's asked this this very important question. And then his answer to that question then leads him to a statement. And then his answer to that question actually results in his his death. And so it's a very crazy turn of events when a question turns into his death. 
And when we start thinking about what happened to Stephen and what Stephen did in this text, we come away with a lot of things. But just for today, we're going to focus in on, on one piece of this, and that is the statement, speaking truth requires speaking without self-preservation. Speaking truth requires speaking without self-preservation. In other words, if we're going to be helpful today in answering people's real questions, no matter where that question happens to be coming from, we're going to have to break away from this notion that I'm going to try to answer the question in such a way that's not going to bring any personal harm to me. In other words, um, a very simple example is when a friend asks another friend a real question and maybe the friend wants to give an answer, but they're afraid that they're going to get angry with them or reject them. And so in order to save their own feelings, they're going to give a false answer or a partial answer, or they're just going to be placating to the needs of the questioner or the desires of the questioner. In other words, Christians, if we're going to do a good job answering questions, and we're also going to defend the truth that Jesus actually said and the things that he actually did, we're going to have to put ourselves out there a little bit more. We're going to have to put ourselves in positions where we're probably going to be criticized, and and then we're going to have to sit in that and stay with that. We're going to put ourselves in positions where people that we love are probably going to choose to reject us or to stay away from us or to think negative things about us. Because one thing that's taking place in our culture today seems to be a lot of backpedaling from previous statements, not because people find a a previous statement that they made to be inaccurate or wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of that going on today, and that's genuine, right? That's called being a learner. That's called growing as a human being. When we once believed something and we made statements according to that belief, but then we became better educated, we started to understand things a little bit better, and then we actually had a true change of mind, a true change of heart. That's called genuine, genuine growth. But when we make a statement get social pressure, and then change our statement, I, I, I question the genuineness of that a lot. And I think that there's a lot of both going on today as we deal with what we're dealing with culturally. I think there's a lot of people learning a lot of new things, a lot of people changing their opinions on some things, and rightfully so, a lot of growth taking place. But I think there's also a lot of placating going on, a lot of, of fear of, of of speaking what we really believe, and so um, in some ways our culture is speaking what it believes better. In some ways today um, we're, we're speaking it with more lies and more um, placating to people's opinions than really growing in true knowledge and true understanding. And so um, with all that could be said about that, I, I'm trying to be faithful to just our move through the book of Acts. I'm not trying to do any Bible gymnastics or I'm not trying to be political in any way, but I, I just as a pastor want to bring you the reality of God's Word the best that I can. And so in looking at this text right away in verse 1, Stephen has asked this question by the council and the high priest in, you know, in particular, And the high priest said, are these things so? What a a question. Are these things so? 
If you're just reading chapter 7 or you didn't listen last week, you're probably wondering what these things are. These things were the accusations against Stephen as quoting Jesus to be saying that Jesus would destroy the temple and would change the teachings of Moses. That's, that was the accusation, that the council came to Stephen and they drummed up people um, that would lie about him. They created these lies. They created these false accusations about Stephen, knowing that they were false, by the way. And they accused and they took words of Jesus and they very slightly twisted them around to make Stephen look very, very bad. See, that's another topic that we could talk about with this text, the, the twisting of words and the misquoting of people. And there's so much of that going on today as well, isn't there? That's a topic perhaps for another time. But that's what was going on with Stephen, and when he was asked, are these things so, it was a question that was an honest question, a good question, but it was a question that was going to be very difficult to answer because first it had to dispel the lie that was packaged in that question, and in order to do that, Stephen had to go back and give in defense of what he believed, he had to go back and look at the Jewish history, because that's who these folks were. They had to go back to the Jewish history all the way back into Moses, because that's, that's where, the, where the lie was. But he went back even further than that, and he, he went back to Abraham, and he started there, and he moved all the way through Abraham and Joseph and Moses and the prophets, and he gave and he unfolded an accurate history which all in the hearing of his words would have understood to be true, which all of them can find common agreement on their own history and where they came. But the problem that Stephen... Um, then started to, to have with these people is that throughout the unfolding of this, of this account of history to clarify the false accusations that he was under, he had to admit something within that history that his hearers were not going to enjoy hearing but could not refute. The uh, issue was the rejection of the prophets that all throughout the Old Testament, which Stephen is summarizing here, you will notice that when God sends a prophet to the people to speak of warning, to speak of correction, to speak of um, repentance, to speak of promise, all of these things, by and large, the prophets of the Old Testament were rejected and killed. You see that? Um, Jeremiah struggled with that. Um, Elijah struggled with that um, and so when they came up to Jesus, he is saying, Stephen is saying that you've done the same thing with Jesus. And he says to his listeners, he says, your fathers rejected the Holy Spirit and you now are also rejecting the Holy Spirit by lying about Jesus, by rejecting Jesus as the Messiah, by denying the fact that Jesus had raised from the dead. And so when Stephen interjects this into his summation of history, what it does is it prompts the anger of his hearers. And that anger within his hearers causes them to stone Stephen, which is the means of capital punishment for the first century Jew. Um, 
And so for blasphemy, they, they stoned him. We read that, and again, this is a very lengthy chapter, which I'm going to invite you, for many reasons, to read verses 2 through 50, um, 53, and you get this rich account of the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with your Old Testament, reading this chapter alone in the book of Acts will give you a good handle on everything that went on there. It's a pretty amazing text um, as it helps us with that. But I want to draw your attention to this stoning of Stephen, which helps us understand the application of today's message. Starting in verse 54, we read this. He says, now when they, his hearers, heard these things that I just described to you, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him, but he, verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped at their ears and rushed at him. Then they, came, and they cast out of the city, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now it's amazing, Stephen, over the last several weeks and chapters that we've been studying the book of Acts has been a wonderful example of how um, to live out a Christian faith in a hostile environment or to live out a Christian faith in a place where there is social unrest and where there is cultural animosity, because that was exactly the scene in chapters 5 and 6, and in this whole setting of the, of the early church in which he lived. And here we see Stephen, first of all, he, in this, his accusers were full of rage. He said what he had to say, even though those that were asking the question and putting forth the accusation were going to be enraged with him. So right away, I think about people that have told me, well, I can't tell the truth to my wife because she'll get so mad at me, or I can't tell the truth to my friends because they will get so mad at me, or I, I can't really share what I really feel is, is, is going on in our relationship because I think they're going to get mad at me. I, I really can't speak the truth because someone's going to get mad at me. Let's admit that the truth is very, very angering, isn't it? It's very, very angering. And sometimes it is that anger within us that reveals to our own heart that we really would rather hear a lie than the truth. And when truth comes to you and I, sometimes it's like a big slap in the face or punch in the gut. And our immediate reaction sometimes to truth is this pushback and this rejection and this denial. And then so many times in our discussions, the question or the, the discussion doesn't go to, is it true? The discussion goes to, you made me mad. As if making someone mad is the thing that we must avoid at all cost. Or 
to put it a way that's in greater terms today, to be offensive is the utmost faux pas of our day. We simply have come to the place in our culture where to be offensive is to be the worst kind of person on the face of the planet. And what we have forgotten in our culture, that many times the truth is offensive. The truth makes us very angry. How many of you have been doing things in your life that are hurtful to other people in a real sense, and then you're told that you shouldn't be doing that, and you are just immediately, I'm offended. I'm offended. And so much of our world is walking around so afraid to make someone angry that we've started just being quiet about truth. Now, I'm not saying we need to be rude. I'm not saying we need to be insensitive. I'm not saying that that we need to be vulgar or crass. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that we need to take some good time alone with ourselves and with God and look at things that we believe to be true. And if they truly are true, if they are really real, we must speak those things If they are indeed true, we must speak those things because they're true and allow people the freedom to be angry with us if they choose, to be offended with that if they choose. And if they are offended by the truth, they have to own that. If you are offended by the truth, you have to own that and you have to deal with the truth that is being presented to you. Because in Christian, when we as Christians are asked all of these questions from all of these places, if somebody comes to us and they are hurting and they have a question and we withhold truth because we feel like we're going to make them angry, what we're really doing is we're saying, I care more about you being angry with me than I do solving your hurt and fixing and removing your pain. And we know that so many times in order to be helpful, we know that so many times of personal growth for us came when someone loved us enough to come and tell us what we immediately got angry about, gave it further contemplation, gave it further prayer, listened a little more clearly, and then we began to see how that truth was really life-changing for us. So if you are withholding truth from people that are questioning things and have wonderful questions, you're just self-preserving and leaving them in their questions. And that, to me, is not very Christ-like nor very loving at all. And so Stephen then did that, and he he worked in this way. He also exemplified Christ perfectly as he was being stoned. Notice that he sounds a lot like Jesus. If you want, you can go back to the end of each gospel account, and you can read the the cross scene and how Jesus behaved during that time. It looks very, very much like this. And so Stephen, even in this moment when he's being stoned to death, he is actually calling out to the Lord to receive his spirit. Sounds like Jesus there. And then he also prays for those that are stoning him. So the perspective of Stephen is not of revenge, not of hate, not of ridicule, not of trying to get them back, not to ignore them, but Stephen, when asked a question, is this so? Stephen gave a truthful answer, not seeking self-preservation, and then when pain came back his way, he sought the forgiveness of those that were harming him. He prayed that God would forgive those that were hurting him. 
What an amazing, what an amazing, outstanding example of being a Christian. So you and I, there are several observations that we can make from this text. And the first one is Christians are called on to answer the false accusations concerning Jesus. I think I've said enough about that already. Um, second of all, Christians are not to back away from the truth for self-preservation. I hope that I've made that very, very clear during our time together today. Third observation, Christians are to pray that God would forgive their accusers. When's the last time you read a post or heard something on the news or saw something in social media that was really kind of pushed against things that you believe? Maybe it enraged you. Maybe it angered you. Maybe you put up an opinion on social media or you said something to your friends and you just got blasted for it. I mean, they came at you you know, no holds barred. They came at you with everything. Foul language, dismissive kind of quotes, just really attacked you. When's the last time you sat back with that and you, and you thought to yourself, Lord, forgive that person for saying those things about me. Lord, forgive that person for being so angry and being so mean-spirited and being so antagonistic. Lord, forgive that person when have you responded like that? I pray that those of you that are listening today, that you could say that you've done that recently, that that is your normal, that your normal is seeking the benefit of your accusers, seeking the benefit of people that disagree with you. I hope that you in your life, when somebody makes you angry and someone attacks you verbally, I pray that your understanding of that, your first response is, Lord, forgive them. Or maybe we all need to grow in that area. I do. I know I do. And then as we finish up today, I want to bring to you just this final thought. You know, the most controversial statement that Jesus ever made could have been, arguably, could have been, the statement recorded in Acts 14.6 where John writes, Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a divisive statement, isn't it? That could be very offensive to people that have other religious perspectives and other religious traditions and other faith forms of faith. That if we actually come out into the public arena and we say that you are all lost, you are all separated from God. And only through Jesus will you be reconnected to your Creator. That only through Jesus will you receive salvation and forgiveness of your sins. That it is only through Jesus that you will enter eternal life. That it is through Christ and Christ alone. And today, in today's culture, that is very insensitive. That is very intolerant. That is um, very close-minded. That is very bigoted. We're going to receive all of those accusations. But it's very interesting to me when Jesus said this. Jesus said this to his disciples when he was explaining to them that he was going to be crucified, resurrected, and then he would ascend and he would be with them just a little bit longer. And their hearts were full of pain over that because they had been with Jesus for three years. They were in love with Jesus. Jesus um, was their Lord, was their Savior. They, they were foggy about all of that, of course, and they, they didn't quite grasp 
what, exactly what Jesus was doing until the Holy Spirit came following His ascension. But as they were disturbed and as they were heartbroken over this idea of Jesus leaving, Jesus' words were meant to comfort them. He was telling them that though He is physically going away, that He's the way, the truth, and the life. That He's going to be with them in all of these ways. So as I said in the beginning, a lot of questions come about Jesus from a place of confusion and pain. A lot of questions about Jesus come from a place of being on the doorstep of abandoning their faith. And if we are self-preserving in our answers, we will rob people of experiencing the comfort of Jesus. So a couple questions. Could it be that we are missing out on the comfort of Jesus because we are afraid to fully accept His controversial words? And could it be that we are keeping others from the comfort of Jesus because we are afraid to share His controversial words? Closing challenge is this. Challenge you to speak the truth out of love rather than keeping silent for self-preservation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You today for Your Word. It always, Lord, um, challenges our minds, um, penetrates and challenges our hearts. Father, I pray that we, as we have been confronted by Your Word today, that we would find comfort in knowing, Lord, that You are going to walk us through all of the chaos in which we live. That You remain the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through You. Father, I pray that You would encourage each one of us, that You would empower each one of us to love people enough to speak the truth to them, even though it may cost us something. Father, help us to be bold enough in our day, bold enough to learn and to change, bold enough to stand strong in the things that are confirmed to be true, as we, Father, as your people are, or should be, I hope that we are, all continually learning, continually growing, continuing, continuing to pro progress in our understanding of, of ourselves, of you, of the world in which we live, continuing to understand in better ways how you are working and operating in the world. And as we do that, Lord, we're going to be asked a lot of questions by people that have a lot of different motivations. Some people want to paint us into a corner and put us in certain categories and give us certain labels. Other people are hurting God. Other people are confused. Other people are, are on the doorstep of walking away from their faith in you. And so, Father, we pray today that you would give your church a boldness to speak the truth in order that others may receive the comfort of your presence in their life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.